So what I did, I got to the end of my rope. And then what I did was I made a notebook and I wrote in there all of the likes and dislikes for food and snacks and movie shows and all that kind of stuff, the doctor's names, information. I created a whole manual of information on my mother-in-law and her medications at which time of the day she took which medicine and how much and all that. Then I made a schedule between her four other children. And I said, I'm going to see my son in North Carolina for two weeks. You have her for three days. Then you give her to this one for three days. Then you give her to that one for three days. And so this is the rotation and peace out. I didn't ask anyone. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't say, are you guys okay with this? I didn't care. I had to have a break and I knew I, I couldn't take it anymore until I got away. And so I did. And that was the best thing in the world I could have ever done for them because they had no clue. It didn't matter that I was telling them. It's hard for someone to imagine. And so you're, you're telling your family, hey, I need, you know, if you could spare some help. First off, they don't know what to do to help. So you have to tell them what to do. And you and when someone yeah. offers, this is another huge one for caregivers. When someone offers to help you, take them up on it. Tell them, okay, write down their number. And then there are things that they can do. If to overcome, you must educate. Educate not only yourself, but educate anyone seeking to learn. We are all dead America. We can all learn something. To learn, we must challenge what we already understand. The way we do that is through conversation. Sometimes we have conversations with others. However, some of the best conversations happen with ourselves. Reach out and challenge yourself. Let's dive in and learn something right now. Today we are speaking with Debbie Compton. Debbie is the founder of the Purple Vine LLC. She is an author of six books that are related to caregiving and seniors. Her book, Caregiving, How to Hold On While Letting Go, is her original book. Debbie, could you please introduce yourself? Let people know just a little more about you, please. Sure, absolutely. First off, thank you for having me. I am delighted to be here. I love to talk to caregivers particularly since that has become my passion to support and empower caregivers to be able to live a less stressful life. And that came about because I am a three-time primary caregiver. I cared for my dad who had Parkinson's until he passed away in his home. I cared for my mother-in-law who had Alzheimer's till she passed away in my home. And I'm still a caregiver for my mom who has vascular dementia, 22 years. <laughs> so uh, when, I, when I got into caregiving, it wasn't on my radar. It wasn't the plan. I, I was in retail business. I was traveling coast to coast, leading a team nationwide, having a great time. And then my dad accidentally took my mom's pills and dad had high, had low blood pressure. Mom had high blood pressure. So dad was nearly comatose. Not a fun situation when you're on the coast. And by the way, I live in Oklahoma. So long ways away. 
And then uh, I was on the other coast when my mom passed out at the Daily Living Center and I couldn't get there. She had to be rushed to the hospital. And then I was in Colorado, which is beautiful, but not where you want to be when your mother-in-law locks herself out of her house in the middle of a snowstorm. And so we knew she was having a few issues, but we didn't realize how many until that happened. And uh, she didn't have the wherewithal to realize to walk next door to her neighbors that she'd known her whole life for at least the last 50 years, 40, 50 years. Instead, she got in her car and sat in her car for eight hours until her daughter-in-law came home from work. So with all of this stuff going on, it's like changes have to be made. This is not safe anymore. And so I became a caregiver. Not a clue what I was doing. So I started doing tons of research because I training and development is my background. And so I started doing lots of research and, and uh, trying to find out, trying to learn as much as possible and everything that I could. And what I found was that there's a lot of information about what's going on in the brain, but not a whole lot of what do you do about it? And that's pretty frustrating for me because really, to be real honest, at that point in time, I couldn't care less what was going on in dad's brain when he was hallucinating. I just wanted to know, what do I do to get rid of these aliens? How can I maybe prevent it from happening again? And how can I make their home a safe environment? Because he didn't want to leave it. But when you walk in, he's taking a ball bat to the recliner, which mom could have been sitting in. It's like, uh -huh. oh, my, oh, my gosh, you know. <laughs> This is not good. <laughs> so yeah. I interviewed yeah, doctors, sure. nurses, everybody. I learned as much as I could. I learned by trial and error. I made some mistakes. And those are included in my book because I am not perfect. I don't try to tell anybody I'm perfect. And so I tell you in there, hey, don't do this because this is not a good plan. I, I've been there, done that, yeah. and this won't work. <laughs> and so yeah. that's. Uh, I really hadn't even thought about doing a, writing a book or anything until my dad had passed away. And then my mother-in-law was passing in our home. And I finally had hospice come in to help out at the very end. And they saw some of the things that my husband and I had created. And they're like, well, where did you read about this? And I said, I read about it anywhere. It's called survival. <laughs> and, and so they said, well, this is amazing. Because the traditional bed alert systems didn't work for us. You know, she would find a way to set them off anyway, and they go off all the time. And that's that's not a help. That's more stressful. And so we created our own special little thing. And the door system, you know, to keep, the, keep her inside, because she was a little traveler. She, you know, 2 a.m., she's going down the neighborhood nude, you know. <laughs> and the good news is nobody's up at 2 a.m., so that's good. Yeah. And I was able to get her back inside. But um, the, the nurse said, well, you know, other caregivers need to know about this stuff. They don't know about this. This would really help other people. And so that's when it really hit home to me was that because I, you know, with three of them, honestly, I didn't have time to think about anybody else. I was just trying to keep my head above water, keep the three of them safe you know, keep them at all their appointments and everything going as smoothly as possible because total smoothly is not going to happen. You just need to let go of that and yeah. learn to embrace good enough. And so that's, that's why I wrote my book. That's why I put the information in it. Um, 
I have uh, two brothers and a sister. We handle mom's, what I call the loop-de-loop differently. That's when she continually asks the same question over and over and over and over, you know, and by the time you get to the 40th time, you're like, "Ah," you know, and so we all handle that in different ways. And so I put all the ways in my book because one might work one day, one might work another day, you know, one might work today and not tomorrow. Caregivers need more than just plan A. They need plan A, B. And if you can get C and D, that's awesome. Yeah. So that's why I created that, just to give them the practical that's information. True. It also it also tells uh, you steps. Now, Debbie, yeah, did you take care of all three of them at one time? Yes, but they were in different phases of the disease progression. And so initially, my dad was worse. My mother-in-law was just starting to have problems. And so she lived in her home with her daughter. And then our niece moved in with them too, to kind of help. But both of them worked through the day. So she was alone all through the day. But she lived, you know, a little over an hour from us, about an hour and a half from us, actually. And so, and my parents only lived three miles from me. So I could just zip right over there and, you know, give them meals and take care of them and and all that. And then my brother moved in with my mom and dad because dad, dad was not going to be dependent on anybody. Okay. He, uh, he was a very strong-willed Baptist preacher and he is independent and he is not going to depend on anybody. He will help people, but he's not going to depend on anybody. So you have to find creative ways to deal with the person that you're dealing with. And so we kept dad in his home, honored his wishes for that. But what my brother did was he was planning to move from Florida back up to Oklahoma. And so he said, dad, can we stay with you for a little while while we're finding our house? Well, that's dad helping him. So dad said, okay, sure. And so my brother and sister-in-law moved in with mom and dad and lived there and took care of them. They did the evening stuff, and then I did the daytime stuff. So it was perfect. It was great. I'm, yeah, that's I am, incredible. Yeah, I'm. I'm blessed. Our sibling, my siblings, and I are really close, and we cooperate together to help. You know, take care of take care of mom and dad, and now just mom. But yeah, at yeah, one that point in time, sure helps a lot. Oh, it does. But, you know, I I dealt with I dealt with my uh stepfather and he had dementia and i had to bring him into my home and take care of him during that last stage of life and it was extremely hard and Mm -hmm. i i learned quite a bit about dementia during that period of time and Mm -hmm. it makes me feel so guilty now you know Mm -hmm. when i think back on that about how I I had an attitude sometimes about the phases of dementia that he was going through, you know, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. out of nowhere, he would start crying at you or right. laughing at you at, at yeah. the wrong time. And that's the scary to hold one. that back. That's that's the scary one, you know, because yeah. what did I do? And, you know, how can I? fix this and you can't really you have to just let it play out and that is so hard on a caregiver how did you handle it with 
three people. Well, first off, first off, let me tell you, Ed, you need to let go of the guilt. You did the best that you could with the tools yes. that you had at the time. And right. the interesting thing, you know where I learned that from? Was a lady with dementia. When I was doing a talk, I was on, oh. uh, I was being interviewed on the SUP show, which was Tifa Snow's uh, interview program. She's fantastic, by the way. She's incredible. But I was being interviewed by them, and one of the interviewers had dementia. And I said, I feel so terrible because I know things wow. now that could have helped my dad that I didn't know at that time. And I made some stupid mistakes that I shouldn't have made. And I would have done this differently. And she said, she interrupted me and she said, stop right there. You need to stop. You did the best that you could and uh, you cannot hang on to that guilt. And I just started crying. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's so precious. It was so sweet, but she's yeah, right. Yeah. And that's what I tell other caregivers. Let go of the guilt and learn to laugh. You have to laugh. Without laughter, I wouldn't have survived. Without God, I would not have gotten through. I don't know how people do it without God. Um, because it's just so stressful. Yeah. And and you just, you don't know what to do, but you do the best that you can. And a lot of times what I find too is that we as personal caregivers compare ourselves to people working in a facility. Well, in the facility, oh, yeah. they work eight hours. Maybe they work even 12. But guess what? Then they go home. They rest. They recoup. They regenerate. You can't do that when they're living with you. There's there's no rest. You know, even when you're trying to sleep at night, if you're like me, I mean, first off, I'm a light sleeper. And then secondly, I was terrified of what my mother-in-law might be doing while I was asleep because she'd get up and go roaming around and you didn't know what she was into. And uh, things that Things in your house that would not be a harm if managed by a person with a logical brain. But there's not a logical brain when they have Alzheimer's right. or some other form of dementia. And so I got up, I heard her in the bathroom at 2 a.m. one time. 2 a.m. was her favorite time to go do stuff. <laughs> and uh, 2 a.m. and she had fix a dent. <laughs> she was putting fix a dent on her lips like oh lipstick. My. And it's like, oh my gosh, if I hadn't have gotten in there, what would have happened? Don't worry about that. The good news is I got in there and I got it wiped off her lips before it set and sealed her mouth shut. It's <laughs> but scary stuff. So you learn, put that away, put these things away. Things that you, you start to look at your home in a different light and you have to, yeah. to keep that caregiver safe. So what were some of those things that you went to to get information for people that are unaware and just because generally this stuff just flops in your lap. Here it is. Mm -hmm. And, right. you know, the caregiver soul and mind, well, I'm going to do this. It's just the way they are. Right. Where did you get your information and who were the people that helped you get through this well i started off with alz.org that's the alzheimer's organization mm -hmm. website and you can learn about steps and stages of the disease um, they've got a 24-hour support line that you can call if you're you know needing urgent help or something 
And so uh, that's a really good resource that they have. You know, there's, I, I looked on, um, I, I just keyed in Google searches, you know, and did like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and then read everything that I could find. The Mayo Clinic has a lot of good information. Um, there's, there's a bunch of different places that, and there's some really great ones that I have learned since then. And I stumbled across Tipa Snow by accident. Her YouTube videos are amazing. It's T-E-E-P-A, Tipa Snow, S-N-O-W. She is down to earth, calls it like it is. She is there to defend that person, that care recipient. Her focus is on the care recipient. And she really causes you to look at things differently when you listen to her because uh, there's a lot going on in a person with dementia's brain. It's not functioning correctly. It's not firing correctly, but it is working overtime. Their brain is churning away because there are blocks and barricades in there. So with Alzheimer's, there's plaques and tangles in the brain. So a thought starts out over here, but when it's trying to get over to the other side, it gets misfired or lost in translation, however you want to say it. So when it comes out their mouth, it's a different thing. But they know that they started off with the right word. And so when you correct them, which is wrong, you shouldn't do that. Or when you challenge them or you don't understand, they get frustrated. Yeah. And of course they get frustrated. They think they're saying the right thing. So what I tell caregivers, the best thing you can do is learn your person learn their likes and dislikes, learn what food they like, learn what movies they like, learn what TV shows they like to watch, what music they like to listen to. Everything that you can learn about that person while they can still communicate will benefit you later on. Because then when you find yourself at a drive-through and you're going through to get a drink and you ask your mother-in-law if she'd like a drink and she says, yes. And I say, what would you like? And she says, Dawson Packer. You know that she means Dr. Pepper because Dr. Pepper is her favorite drink. But Dawson Packer doesn't make sense. They, but if you know them, they don't have yes. to make sense. It's easier for them. And this is the thing too, when we, when we argue with them, we cause them stress. Stress yes. makes the disease progress faster. So we don't wanna do that. Oh, wow. Yes, you're, we're making it worse when we argue with them. It, it really, oh, it makes me crazy when somebody argues with them. Who cares if they say the sky is orange or the sky is black? I don't care what they say. I'm going to agree with them because what does it matter? Who cares? There's there's monkeys in the tree and they don't have any clothes on. Okay. They're talking I was told, about the sky. I was told this before. You know, there's monkeys in the trees and they don't have any clothes on. And, she, and mom starts walking towards the tree and I'm trying to get her into the house. So I'm like, well, mom. If they don't have any clothes on, they might be cold. Let's go in the house and find them some clothes. So she says, oh, okay. And we go in the house. As soon as we're through the door, she doesn't remember why we're there. The monkeys are gone, out of sight, out of mind. So just agree. Just go with the flow. You have to really be, you got to become a good improv actor, I think. Because I don't yeah. feel like it's lying at all. I, I feel like you are making life easier for them. And so, for example, when my mom is asking, where's dad? And when is he going to be home? My rational brain knows that dad has been gone for 13 years. 
if I tell mom that dad is gone, it's brand new to her. She's going to start crying and be upset all over again. In my mind, that's me torturing her. Why would I do that? No, I just said, mom, he's gone. He's not here right now. We'll see him later. It's okay. Everything's okay. We'll see him later. Doesn't matter what's happening in our lives. I'm always reassuring mom and telling her it's okay. We don't have to worry about that. It's okay. Yeah. And 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 it just a really good example of why how stress affects that. My dad knew something was wrong. He was very upset about it. It bothered him. He knew he couldn't remember things. He knew he couldn't add like he used to anymore. It stressed him out. It bothered him. He was just tight, just just like this, you know, because he couldn't fix it and he's a fixer. And Yeah. Yeah. Seven years from beginning to end. And he was gone. Just seven years with Parkinson's. And um, my mom, I think I think part of the reason that my mom has had vascular dementia for so many years is she doesn't know there's anything wrong with her. She's just a happy little camper. (laughs) Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So. On your blog, you brought up stress. Over on your blog, you have a article. It's Rosalind Carter had it right, and it lays out about the four things that you can do to, you know, help alleviate or help slow down the progression of dementia. Mm-hmm. I, I find that interesting. Uh, yeah. I didn't know you could actually slow it down or stop it at all. So there's a lot people don't know about dementia, especially that yes. they're more keen to what's going on with Alzheimer's yes. and possibly even Parkinson's more than dementia. And how I do think- we get that changed in this? I think the reason that is, um, is because dementia itself is a big umbrella. It's a big umbrella term, and it just means anything that inhibits your ability to function normally. If, if your brain can't process things correctly and you can't, it, if it inhibits daily life, then it's labeled dementia. So you've got things like Lewy body, you've got frontal temporal dementia, you've got Down syndrome, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, all these different forms of dementia. But the but 80% of those are Alzheimer's. 80% of all dementias are Alzheimer's. That's why you hear about Alzheimer's so much. And because and I'm a I'm an educator for the Alzheimer's Association too, by the way. Interesting. Um, I started that as soon as my mother-in-law passed away and giving speeches for them, getting information out to people and, uh, you know, trying to help again, because my focus is on the caregiver, whereas people have different focuses. Some was purely education and, uh, and mine's not mine is mine is some education definitely about it, but it's more education about the practical things that you can do to, to make your life easier because we definitely, it's hard. Being a caregiver is so difficult. I, you know, I told you I led teams nationwide. That was way easier than being a caregiver. Yeah. So yeah. 
but it's, but that's a lot of it. And then I think too, part of, part of what I focus on too is prevention because there are things you can do to greatly reduce your chances of getting dementia. And man, I'm all about that because, you know, they said my grandmother was senile. I know now that she had Alzheimer's, um, you know, and then my mom had vascular dementia, my dad with Parkinson's. And so it's like, oh my goodness, it's in my family. I got to do everything that I can to not get this. And yes. the thing to note there, if you have diabetes, if you have high blood pressure, high cholesterol, the best thing you can do is watch your numbers. Keep those numbers in check because my mom has vascular dementia because she had uncontrolled high blood pressure. Okay. A lot of people don't know that. Interesting. Yeah. You've yeah. got to watch your numbers and keep them in check. And then even if you don't have any problems, cause I do a, I do a whole speech on prevention. So, cause there's a lot of things that you can do. You can't guarantee that you're not going to get it, but you know what, if you guarantee me, you're going to really reduce your odds of getting it. I'm all for that. And, and so exercise yeah. is the biggest thing. Yeah. If you just get a little bit of exercise, 20 minutes at, for four or five times a day, I'm sorry, a week, four or five times a week, get 20 minutes of exercise, you can literally cut your chances of getting dementia by 50%. That's crazy. Why aren't we shouting that from the rooftops? Along, along with other diseases. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Along Others with other as diseases. Well. Yes, yeah. because you're increasing your heart flow, you're increasing your blood flow, the oxygen to the brain. So it makes sense if you think about it. You're you don't get enough oxygen in yeah. your brain, you're going to have problems. So, yes, your food is vitally important. And what's funny is that God gives us little clues in that too because if you look at the shape of a walnut, it's shaped like a brain. And what do walnuts do? Interesting. Improve your brain. Yes. I mean, and cauliflower, great for you. Green leafy vegetables, great for your brain power. We need to feed our brains and protect our brain. And so you were talking too about some of the, um, some of the prevention like alcohol and cigarettes absolutely are, they increase your risk and also not protecting your head. If you're riding a bicycle or you're involved in football, you get concussions greatly increases your chances of getting dementia. So we need to protect our brain. And then also with the vitamins and minerals, because a lot of times, most of the time now, I mean, our soil is not as good as it used to be. It's just a fact. Yeah. It doesn't have all the vitamins and nutrients that it used to have, regardless of what you do. And so it's a lower quality. And so when we take our vitamins and minerals, we need to make sure that we do, that we're getting enough of those healthy ones to support the brain because there's a thing called reversible dementia. And did you know that? Hmm. No, I did not. It is called reversible dementia. And what that is, it mimics actual dementia. You have brain fog. You can't remember things. You're, um, you know, you're struggling with names when you used to remember them before all sorts of issues like that, but that can be caused by an infection or by a UTI, by low vitamin B12, low vitamin D, wow. or E. So, or you can be dehydrated. All of those things. So any of those things can cause memory fog. 
If you're having trouble concentrating and focusing, you might not be drinking enough water. Simple fix. Simple fix. Drink more water. Take your vitamins. You know, when you get your yearly checkup, have them check your vitamins and see if you're low on something. And adding, adding a supplement can make a huge difference. And then the fog goes away. It clears once you get rid of the infection or whatever it is that's causing it, the low vitamins, whatever it is, then the, the fog goes away and your brain is restored. So that's a, that's a huge thing to remember because too many people think, oh my gosh, you know, I've got dementia. This is it. Life is over, blah, 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 you know, and, and it's not, it's not, you can fix it yeah. a lot of times. So I'm not a doom and gloom person. We, you know, <laughs> let's try everything we can. Let's don't just give up. Don't give up. That's a matter of fact, that's one of my uh, sayings that I teach my grandchildren. It's like, go over, go under, go around or go through, but never give up. So. <laughs> yeah. And another big one in that lineup is stop worrying because stress kills you. Period. Yes. Yes. Does damage to your heart and your brain. And they're finding yeah. a lot stronger connection now between the heart and the brain as well, that the heart communicates with the brain much more than we previously realized. So heart health is critically important to brain health. Interesting. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Our, our, our entire system is made up of different components and they need treated differently. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. It's kind of odd, but all of those nutrients are vital to us and exercise, big key, mm-hmm. keeping ourselves current in affairs Mm -hmm. and up to date on things making ourselves think is vital that's why reading is very good you know Mm -hmm. or sewing or some sort of thing that takes focus it's really good to keep focus on something it keeps your brain sharp exactly Uh, exactly because it's a muscle your brain is a muscle just like your body you exercise your body Yes. Why don't you exercise your brain? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't get it, but uh, I figured that out way too late. I wish I knew that (laughs) earlier in life. And that goes into, you know, getting the uh, right values around you. And if you don't find them at home, there's places like the library and you know, there's always places to learn and explore new things. Find mm-hmm. that it's vital. Mm-hmm. What What is the biggest tip that you have for caregivers to help them alleviate that stress? I think, um, and and I feel a little hypocritical saying this because I wasn't really good at it for a whole lot of years but they have to make time for themselves. You have to take some time for you because if you don't, you are going to burn out. And caregiver burnout is a very real thing. And it's scary the way the numbers are going up now that many caregivers are actually dying before their care recipient. And it's because of the stress. Wow. Yes, it's horrible. It's just, it's uncontrolled stress. 
And so we have to get control of that. And regardless of the situation, I mean, I have people tell me all the time, because I do consulting as well, um, because that's the funny thing about caregivers. We all think that nobody has it like we do. And nobody's ever seen this. And this is so bizarre that nobody else has ever experienced this. Well, guess what? Yes, we have. And like I said, this is my third time down the road. I've seen a lot of stuff. (laughs) And still not everything. I mean, I talk to people and I counsel with them and they tell me something and I'm like, oh my goodness. Okay. Well, I'm sure that was scary. Um, Because it's just, it's, it's just crazy. It doesn't make sense. You cannot make sense of it. And that's another thing for caregivers. Stop trying to rationalize. You can't. And you cannot retrain the brain that is being destroyed by dementia. Dementia is, dementia kills at least two parts of the brain. It's not that they're forgetting. It's not that they're not focusing. They can't. Those bridges, those synapses, those connections are being destroyed. No amount of love from you is going to fix that. And that's a hard one. And that's a, that's a tough love thing that I'm telling you, but I'm also telling you that regardless of your situation, you can find a way to get help. And if you can't see it, I can help you see it because here's the situation that I was in. Um, I was, my dad had just passed away. I was caring for my mother-in-law. She was in our home. She's up all through the night. You know, I couldn't sleep. I was exhausted I was just, and and, and I've got mom, which mom was living with my brother. So that helped a whole lot, but they go to work through the day. So I still had the daytime. So I had these two sweet little ladies, one with vascular dementia, one with Alzheimer's. And some days were just a nightmare. And so I asked for help. Everybody was busy. Everybody has their own families. Everybody, you know, one excuse or another, which is normal, you know, but I'm sitting here thinking, I had a life, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I don't now, but I had one. So what I did, I got to the end of my rope. And then what I did was I made a notebook and I wrote in there all of the likes and dislikes for food and snacks and movie shows and all that kind of stuff. The doctor's names, information. I created a whole manual of information on my mother-in-law and her medications at which time of the day she took which medicine and how much and all that. Then I made a schedule between her four other children. And I said, I'm going to see my son in North Carolina for two weeks. You have her for three days. Then you give her to this one for three days. Then you give her to that one for three days. And so this is the rotation and peace out. I didn't ask anyone. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't say, are you guys okay with this? I didn't care. I had to have a break. And I knew I I couldn't take it anymore until I got away. And so I did. And that was the best thing in the world I could have ever done for them because they had no clue. It didn't matter that I was telling them. It's hard for someone to imagine. And so you're, you're telling your family, hey, I need, you know, if you could spare some help. First off, they don't know what to do to help. So you have to tell them what to do. And you, and when someone yeah. offers, this is another huge one for caregivers. When someone offers to help you, take them up on it. Tell them, okay, write down their <laughs> number. And then there are things that they can do. If if they if feeding is a really stressful time, don't have them come over to feed your loved one, but have them come over and sit and watch a movie with them. They can do that. And you can go shopping. Yeah. You can go 
soak in a tub, go for a walk, read a book, whatever it is that makes you feel good, that gives you a break, do that. You can talk to your people at church. There's a lot of seniors at church that are lonely that would love someone to visit with. Even if you go pick them up, go pick them up, bring them to your house, let them sit on the couch and visit. You go, get some time away for you so that you can be a better caregiver for that loved one because you have to have a break too. Uncontrolled stress will cause you to get the same thing that you're preventing yeah. or that you're taking care of. So yeah, that's, exactly. that's critical. Yeah. And like that, I said, I wasn't good at big. it. Yeah. And yeah. I had to learn <laughs> by crashing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that caregiver mind again. You know, yes. you, you don't think anybody else can do it as well as you. Right. And it's that worry, that guilt, everything stacks up. That's yes. for sure. I know my, my uh, stepfather, he needed tube fed and you, you noted that feeding is hard sometimes. And mm -hmm. actually it scares the heck out of people yes. uh, when you've got a tube running into your belly and you've got to put these nutrients in basically yes. ensure and, uh, you know, getting help for those sort of things or, you know, the bedridden things, taking mm -hmm. care of the diapers, the bedding every day. It's a thing or else you're not doing your job. Mm -hmm. uh, I know my wife, bless her soul, was the God savior here. This this is her, you know by relationship it's not her immediate family it's my family and she stepped in like a trooper uh trained cna and she yeah. kind of knew and helped so much and just having somebody that kind of knew a little bit mm -hmm. it really helped and yeah. it, i can't tell you how much that really means when you have a spouse that knows something about what's going on, <laughs> especially sure. caregiving. I'm sure. It, it, and, you know, in our situation too, I mean, it was my mother-in-law, um, but yeah. there are things that my husband really wasn't, wouldn't be comfortable doing uh, like changing yes. her and things like that. And, uh, but he did bless his heart. Oh my goodness. She got tangled up in my shower curtain one day. She took all her clothes off in the bathroom, got tangled up in the shower curtain and fell in the tub. Oh. And so oh, wow. her little legs are sticking out over the tub. Well, I couldn't get her out of the tub. And so I just took a towel in there and put it over her and then had to have him hoist her up out of the tub, you know? So yeah, he's, yeah. he saw a lot more than he ever wanted to, but, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but it was a great help. But you know, it's odd how the the baby turns the parent in the mm. end days. There, you know, yes. our final stage of life. It, life is so intriguing in all of its stages, no matter where you are. I, I can tell you, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> so yes, do you have a call to action for our listeners today, Debbie? Sure. Yes. If uh, if they are a caregiver that is needing someone to talk to, I can absolutely help. 
Um, they can just shoot me an email and then we can set up a time to visit via Zoom. You don't have to be anywhere near me. The other thing that's great about that is that caregivers often can't leave the home or don't feel like you can leave your loved one or anything like that. So you don't have to just, you know, we can hop on a Zoom call and then I can probably help you find a solution to whatever you're struggling with. And there's, I, I just believe that um, there's always a solution. And sometimes we have to look a lot harder to find it. And sometimes we're too close to the situation to find it, but there's always a solution there. So I yeah. would love to help in that. Um, if uh, people want to visit my website, it's thepurplevine.com. I have a blog on there. If they join my email list, I send out once a week emails. The very first week you get, I think, four in that week just to get better acquainted. But then it's once a week after that because I don't like to take up people's time. They don't have time to read an email every day or anything like that. I, I get it. And so I give them the latest information, tips, pointers, ideas, funny stories, and a lot of freebies. I put a lot of free stuff in there too. So, uh, and if you know a caregiver who is needing some support, doesn't want to talk to somebody, because we do that a lot too, you know, we just, we just keep it private. Then my book, Caregiving, How to Hold On While Letting Go, that's available on Amazon and it is practical down-to-earth solutions. It has uh, scripture in it because I couldn't have gotten through without scripture. I would, I would be scrubbing the bathroom floor for the third time that day and reminding myself, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all <laughs> things right. through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. That's right. You know, because you're just right. reminding yourself, okay, okay, we can do this. We can do this. Because caregiving, a lot of it is mental. You That's have, right. you got to get control up here. And that is so hard to do when you're dealing with a person that's out of control. So, but I get it. Yeah. I, can, I can help. So I just, I just want to help. And um, the other, I, can I tell you about my sunshine book real quick? Yes, you can. Okay. Well, this one, this one is called sunshine for the soul. And what this is, is that my mom her vision was getting much worse. And, but I wanted to keep her reading because as we said before, if you read, it stimulates the brain. It helps yes. them also stay connected to reality. So they're reading about a book and they remember what a book is. So it can slow down the progression of dementia. So I wanted to keep mom reading. She couldn't follow plots anymore. The type was too small. So I'm thinking about it and it's like, okay, because I told you this is the way my brain works. There's always a solution. Just think yes. about it more. So I created this book because my dad passed away. He was a preacher and I found his uh, briefcase. And in his briefcase, he had a whole bunch of these old bulletins that my mom had typed up because he was pastoring a small country church and nobody wanted to do the bulletin. So mom had to do it. And at that time, yeah. mom had four teenagers running around the house. She's using a typewriter, no spell check, no autocorrect, and they are hilarious. And so, <laughs> so I was like, oh my goodness, I got to share these. This is perfect. So in this book, Sunshine for the Soul, there is no plot. It is a funny story or two, most, almost all from my life. 
And a whole lot of those are those bulletin bloopers. And then it'll have a Bible verse and it'll have an inspirational quote because the Bible verse brings mom comfort and peace. It's what she's used to. And then the inspirational quote is from everybody from Billy Graham to Dr. Seuss. I mean, it's a full range actors and everything, but, but it's all inspirational. It's all funny. It's uplifting. So it's positive. So it brings sunshine to your day. It brightens anybody's day. It's huge print so that mom could see it. So you've got big font also, and that you reduce the stress of trying to follow a plot. There is no plot. You can start at the beginning, the middle or the end. It doesn't matter. But um, that, that was the only book that my mom read for a year. And the funny thing is she didn't even know that it. she's the one who said and did a whole lot of the things in the book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, so well, like, that's that probably helps keep her involved. Yes. You know, it's that subconscious mind working. And, yes. Uh, bringing that up. Is there any research, you know, about how that subconscious mind actually plays its role in an advanced stage Alzheimer's or dementia patient? It's interesting how the brain works because the dementia uh, attacks different parts of the brain and it starts in the memory center, almost always back at the back, and then it moves around to the logic. And so they lose logic real early on, but they retain rhythm. Now that's the interesting Mm. thing. So because logic's on the left, Rhythm's on the right, which I did that backwards with my hands. But anyway, rhythm is over here. So so what you can do if your loved one is having a really disconnected day and they're not able to focus, they're not making any sense, play a song that they loved. Play a song from back in their day. Um, My mom loves Jailhouse Rock, Elvis Presley. So we are just rocking out. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. We're dancing. We're having a good time, you know. and. After that song, for probably 30 minutes, sometimes longer than that, she is clearer. She can think more clearly. Interesting. Yes. And what's wild, too, is that she's at the stage now where she can't complete one sentence. It's that's too much. Mm. It's just, you know, she doesn't make sense. She doesn't recognize me a lot of the times, which is really hard. But um, but it's not her. It's the disease. There's another really golden yeah. nugget for your caregivers. Don't yes. put that person as that disease. No, the person that you love is still in there, but this is the disease being mean to you. This is the disease cussing you out. It's the disease doing these things. It's not your loved one. They're not in control. So um, anyway, just had to throw that in there. Um, but that's mom, a big one. Yeah, yeah. Even though mom can't, complete a sentence, she can sing a lot of songs. She was singing Jesus Loves Me wow. the other day. She was singing wow. the whole song, Jesus Loves Me. And I was just like, oh my goodness, what a blessing. What a blessing. And, and that's the thing for caregivers too. Look for those moments of joy. It's easy yeah. to find the moments of stress. You're surrounded by moments of stress. <laughs> yeah, It's everywhere. Look for the joy, look for the sweetness, look for the, and, and laugh when, when things go wrong and everything's upside down and just learn to find the laughter in it. 
And, and that's what I do in my, in the first book too, in caregiving is um, laughing and telling them, you know, I mean, telling them about some of the situations we got into, which are, they're hilarious now. Wasn't so hilarious. Yeah. yeah now at, <laughs> exactly. at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Not, not when you're yeah, in that, Walmart. That, that's the free. key. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, uh, and then I, I created Faith Lives Here. Um, it, which is an adult coloring book and color me calm, which oh, is wow. an adult coloring book. And the reason I did those is because I was at the daily living center with my mom. And here's another side note. When you need to get away, there's respite care available. You daily living yes. centers are amazing and they will watch your loved one. They'll take care of them. They have nurses on staff. They'll make sure that they're fed. They, in our area, they come and pick them up take them to the daily living center and bring them back home in the early wow. afternoon. It's amazing. It is just wonderful. And so that gives you a huge break, a relief that you need. So I was at the daily living center with her coloring one day and this lady started yelling at her because she was coloring this little dog blue. And, wow. you know, and, and I was like, ah, but then I realized, okay, the lady has her own problems going on. You know, she's not in full control either. So you can't be mad at her, but let's yeah. seek to solve the problem. And so that's why I created these two coloring books and they are mandalas, which I created just original designs, patterns. There's no right or wrong. You can color it whatever color yeah. you want and it's fine. Nobody can yell at you. <laughs> that's and very good, Debbie. I mean, uh, how you incorporate some of these disciplines of the mind into books that can be used in the care it's kind of cool Thank uh, you. tell us more about your books okay well and uh the color me calm is just mandalas it's just patterns just things to color um which pull that down real quick sorry about that okay and it has wide lines so that it's easier for them to be able to color and yeah. still, you know, still stay within the lines if they want. I mean, if they don't, that's fine too. But there are some easier patterns and there are some more difficult patterns because depending on what stage the person is at, some may be easier, some may be more difficult. And then, um, then this one, Faith Lives Here, is one where I um, bought a program and actually, oops, sorry, bought a program and actually learned how to put words and phrases on top of patterns. And so then I went through and put inspirational phrases, motivational quotes, things like oh, that neat. in the middle. And then it has the patterns all around the outside of it. And the really good thing about this is that my mom will read that inspirational quote in the middle like 30 times while she's coloring. And so it helps her and helps her to have a better day and to be happier and encouraged. And it also encourages all the people around her that are hearing her while she's reading out loud. <laughs> that is so, awesome. Yeah, thank you. And then since we're on a roll, I'll tell you about this one too. This is Right to Remember, W-R-I-T-E, Right to Remember. And it is a fat. See how thick that thing is? It is a thick yeah. journal. And the reason that I created this, and you'll see it's got pictures and some quotes, it's got journal prompts, all sorts of things in it. 
the reason I created this is because I started writing things down when I was going through the process because I was trying to figure out, I was trying to make sense of it. I was trying to rationalize, which, yeah. you know, now we know you can't do, but, that's right. but there is a certain amount of rationale involved because like I, when my dad was seeing these aliens that I mentioned earlier, he was seeing them out at the mailbox. They would dig a tunnel and then they would pop up in his house and then he would see them sit in mom's recliner. Now, when you're hallucinating, it's real to you. You, he sees that. The worst thing you can do is tell him it's not there and that it's not real. So what I told him was that they were kind, they're nice. They don't want to hurt you, you know, all this kind of stuff, but I wanted to make them stop, but I couldn't figure out what was causing them. They were seeming to happen every day. Well, by writing everything down, what he ate, what time of day they appeared, um, when they were at which location, all this stuff, I finally was able to figure out the sun was going down. It wasn't sundowners that was causing it. The sun was going down and the evening sun was shining through his glass door and reflecting off his white mailbox, which caused a starburst. The brain interprets that starburst as an alien. Then he would see that he wouldn't see them for a while. And then they would pop up inside the house right there at the back door because the sun was going down and the sun was then just hitting the back door. And then he'd see them in the recliner because the sun went down further and was shining on the recliner. When I finally figured that out, it's a simple fix. Close the blinds <laughs> you yes. know, and shut yep. the front door when the sun is starting to go down. Shut the front door, the solid door, so that you don't have the whole glass door there. Then the aliens are gone. They're gone. Yeah. And I would not have figured that out if I hadn't have written everything down because it doesn't make logical sense. But by writing it down, you can figure it out and you can piece it together. There's a lot of instances where I was able to come up with um, preventive measures for what was going on with them, yeah. because there's generally something that's triggering this behavior. And not always. Yeah, that's interesting. But generally, there's something triggering it. They're, they're overly tired. Their clothes are itchy. They're too cold. They're too hot. They're you know, I mean, it can be, they're too anxious. There's been too much noise. They're too spun up. It can be a lot of things, but if you ask enough questions and record the information, your odds of fixing it are so much greater. So big time. So, yeah. So right I to like remember that. it's on Amazon also. So yeah, you're a wealth of information on all of this and it's good information. I, I love how you're incorporating tools for other people. That's bridge building. And yes. when we can help other people bridge that chasm of whatever, yes, it changes lives. And that's what exactly. you're doing, Debbie. Thank you. Well, uh, you know what? I, I feel I like I got to say thank you. Oh, thank you. Well, we're here for a purpose. And each of us has a purpose. That's right. And there is purpose in that's everything right. that's going on. There's a reason that I was in training and development for so many years because my brain works that way. And because I learned structure and I learned techniques and then became an instant caregiver and was thinking that I'm never going to use this information. And yes, I did. It helped dramatically research, training, develop, develop a solution. You know, you're, it, it does. 
Um, so it does translate across. And then my purpose to help other caregivers, the reason I went through, I believe, the three, um, three different diseases, three different people yeah. who responded different ways in different situations. And so, you know, you can't, it's not like you become a caregiver once and then I got it all figured out. No, I've done it three times and I don't That's have right. it all figured out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's always learning. It's always changing. But that's my purpose is to make it easier for those who are coming behind me to help them have that's an right. easier time. So and, and even my website, I named it the Purple Vine because purple is the color for Alzheimer's. And uh, it's also my favorite color. So works on two levels. But then <laughs> Vine, because I was in training and I'm used to I was very used to you do steps one, two, three and you get four. That's the way it works. It's a very linear process. If you do this process, every time you're going to get this result. Well, caregiving is not that way. It's a vine. It twists, it curves, it goes back on itself, it changes direction. You have to be extremely flexible as a caregiver. And so that's why I created the website, The Purple Vine, because you never arrive. We're always learning. But you know what? That's really good for us, too. Because if we're learning, we're stretching our brains, we're getting our brain exercise, right. and we're reducing That's our right. odds of getting the disease. So it's a win. That's right. Debbie, you're fascinating. Uh, the best way to get a hold of you is the website? Yes, uh, the Purple Vine is my website. My, uh, I'll give you my email, too, if somebody wants uh, help oh, sure. and wants to shoot me an email. It's Deb Compton, the number one at gmail.com. And, uh, and I can, the first consultation, I'll do the first one absolutely free because a lot of people are kind of freaked out by consultation and don't know what that is. It's more like a coach. It's more like you're talking to someone who's been there and who can help you get through it. So we'll do the first one absolutely free. There's no pressure to buy any. If you don't want to do any more, that's fine. Not a problem. Just, I just want to help. So if I can help you get a hold of me, don't suffer alone. There is help available and finding resources is something I'm pretty good at too. So I can help you. And the experience, you know, yeah. once, once you connect with somebody that's been through those loops and hoops, yeah, I'll tell you the stress kills. You don't want mm -hmm. to kill yourself. Get a hold of somebody. And Debbie, right. yeah, it's great that you offer these services and the help that you do. Thank you thank so you. much. And thank you for being part of the Dead America podcast today. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Let me know if I can help you out anytime. Thank you for joining us today. If you found this podcast enlightening, entertaining, educational in any way, please share, like, subscribe, and join us right back here next week for another great episode of Dead America Podcast. I'm Ed Waters, your host. Enjoy your afternoon, wherever you may be.